few years ago, I fell in love with a word. That word has been like a talisman that I wear around my neck. I touch it often. It sounds in my heart and I carry it on my lips. I pray it in hopes that it guides my every action. The word is theotokos, and it means God-bearer. Somehow this word, theotokos, captured my imagination. It made so much intuitive sense to me as a lover of science, as a lover of theology, as a lover of this great, mysterious life. All of our new understandings of the world point to a common origin, that at the beginning of time, at the beginning of the cosmos, we were all one single body. We all sprang from that same ground of being, from this single thought that exploded in a big bang of imagination, creating a hundred billion stars of which our sun is one continually creating and co-creating with all things living and not living, of which you and I are one. We are cousins to the stars and siblings of the ocean. And I am a bit of you, and you are a bit of me. We all move and are a part of this mysterious, generative oneness. I know that there are some who struggle with the word God, and sometimes I do too. Sometimes I call this this oneness the ground of being or the spirit of life, but I sometimes call it God. God is not a noun out there, but a verb of good and grace in here, a continually creative Movement in relationship with the verb of good and grace that is in you and beyond you, beyond us, but connecting us all. Everything living, everything not living is a God-bearer. When I look at the beauty of a red-winged blackbird or a plastic bag, or the snow-covered ground, when I hear your story in all its grace and gratitude and tragedy, I recognize Theotokos. I see a God-bearer. You are a God-bearer, and I am a God-bearer. And that consciousness makes me walk in the world differently. And I am free. I love this word, Theotokos. And it was the word that led me into this ancient story of Mary, this story of Advent. For it was Mary who was named Theotokos, or God-bearer, in the fourth century. For some of us, the story of the angel Gabriel coming to Mary and announcing that she had found favor with God and would bear the Son of the Most High and name him Jesus is the beginning of what went terribly wrong in Western Christian religion. 
It was the cultural embedding of a religion of separation and dualistic thinking. God is good, humanity is bad. Virginity is holy, sexuality is sinful. Men have power, women are to be subservient. God is out there instead of residing in here and out there. Today I ask you to set aside that kind of interpretation for just a moment and hear this story with new ears because I believe this is actually a story of becoming conscious of oneness rather than separation. A story of choice rather than servitude. A story of heaven and earth celebrating in creative union. It is a story I want to reclaim. So let me tell you about another word that I have fallen in love with. Virgin. Oh, I love that word, virgin. When the gospel writer we call Luke implies a virgin birth, He is using a shorthand symbol in the Roman Empire for saying, Jesus is someone you had better pay attention to. Virgin birth has less to do with sex than it has to do with announcing the birth of a Caesar or a king or, in this case, a powerful teacher. But the term virgin also communicates in two different directions to two different religious traditions, and that's what Luke was trying to do, to speak to the Jews and the pagans of his day. To the Jewish community, virgin birth says, nothing is impossible with God. It means grace, something that breaks into the separation and despair of this life and brings about wholeness and meaning. Now, to the pagans of that day, the virgin, the virgin means choice. The virgin goddess of pagan worship traditions retained their freedom. It did not mean sexual abstinence, but the power to take or reject lovers, to know the worth of one's self, one's own personhood, and to retain the power of choosing. When Gabriel comes to Mary and tells her she has found favor with God, she ponders the question. She asks, how can this be? Mary is asserting her personhood. She engages God in the real questions of this world and of her place in it. She is asserting her freedom to think for herself, to say yes or no. The angel responds to her, to this question, with words of mystery to describe the partnership between creator and co-creator. Eperkestai, apiskiasein. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The English translation of those words hardly do them justice. This is how I've come to understand this passage. The creative power that was from the very beginning is in you. 
what is approaching you is not God out there, but consciousness of God in here, already stirring within you like a baby in its mother's womb. You are a God-bearer. This kind of consciousness will not be like a cl- will be like a cloud that shades you in the desert of this life. You will be blessed. You will be free, not from hardship, but the freedom that comes with understanding and a sense of being held by a love that will not let you go. Your life will shimmer with a sense of protection and presence. What would you say? Mary, the virgin, answers, yes, here I am. I wish this for myself every day, that I might be like Mary, full of possibility and power to answer this great mystery of life with a resounding yes. Here I am. I'm ready to live into my birthright as God-bearer, as co-creator of good and grace in this world. And so it is myself It is myself I want to turn in that direction, not as towards a place, but a tilting within myself as one turns a mirror to flash the light to where it isn't. I was blinded like that and swam in what shone at me, only able to endure it by being no one and so specifically myself. I thought I'd die for being loved like that.